Genesis chapter 19. Genesis chapter 19, verses 15 through 22. And this is really Lot's second rescue. Remember, his first rescue was from King Chedorlaomer when they came. King Chedorlaomer and his army came and they, they, they took Lot. And Abraham, Abraham had to go after him and rescue him. Uh, well, this now, again, is a second rescue that Lot has to undergo. When Abraham was praying in Genesis 18.23, Abraham asked the Lord a question. He said, Lord, would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked in destroying um, Sodom? And the Lord answered Abraham, saying, he wouldn't. He would not destroy the righteous with the wicked. Lot's deliverance from Sodom didn't just involve getting him out of Sodom, but it involved getting him far away from Sodom to be safe. And the angels who were at Lot's house, who were Lot's house guests, and who were in charge of delivering Lot, were doing Lot a huge favor. But Lot seemed to fight the angels every step of the way. Lot took his time and argued with them, and yet they still rescued him. And that's because Lot's rescue was based on the faithfulness of God. The faithfulness of God's word, not on man's faithfulness. And we can thank God for that, that he is faithful. And he does for us based on his faithfulness, not so much our faithfulness. Look at verse 15 now, as we begin. says, when the morning dawned, the angel, notice, urged Lot to hurry, saying, Arise, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be consumed in the punishment of the city. So, Lot has to get out of Sodom ASAP if he's going to escape God's judgment. The angels instructed Lot to get out of the city because it was going to be burned to the ground and buried under the Dead Sea. And so when the morning dawned, the angels urged Lot to hurry. Now in the King James Version, it says that the angels hastened Lot. The word hastened is translated from a Hebrew word meaning to hasten, to urge or press on. And that's again the way it's translated in the New King James Version. Speed is involved in this command. Speed is involved, and so is the idea of strongly urging someone to take action, to do something. And the text could be translated to say, the angels urged Lot to hurry. And again, that's the way it was worded in the New King James. Lot isn't just urged to leave Sodom, but to leave in a hurry. Because the angels had to urge Lot to hurry and get out of Sodom, is, is condemning of Lot. It's critical of Lot. Because they said, hey, you, you got to hurry. You got to step on it, man. You got to get out of town. And he took his time. He very clearly, okay, he knew very clearly the night before the destruction that was coming, he should get out of Sodom ASAP. Especially after what had happened outside of his house involving the men of Sodom. So after that incident, Lot did things uh, uh, quickly. Lot went and he told his sons-in-law in verse 14, Get up, get out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. The message wasn't to spend another night in Sodom and then leave in the morning. 
The message was get out now. And it was an urgent message because judgment was coming. The angels didn't give any hint to Lot that judgment would wait another day. And as we saw in our last study, Lot's sons-in-laws, they didn't pay attention to the message that Lot gave them. But they weren't the only ones that were going to ignore his message. Instead of focusing on, on getting his wife and daughters together and on their way out of town, Lot came home. He went to bed in the very place that he had just been told or told everybody, hey, we got to get out of here right away. So the next morning, the angels had to hurry him along because his enthusiasm for the divine message didn't last very long. When he first got it, he said, sons, we got to get out of here. But then, you know, he, he lost that enthusiasm and spent another night there. That's because worldliness created spiritual laziness again in Lot's heart. And it will do the same thing to anyone's heart, no matter how great their spiritual advantages are. Lot definitely had a lot of spiritual advantage because of the two angels in his house. But just because the angels allowed Lot to do what he, 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 he did, it doesn't mean that they approved of what Lot did. Letting a stubborn, disobedient heart go the wrong way, resulting in the loss of a lot of blessing, is simply a form of judgment on rebellious hearts. If Lot would have left the city that night, it could have encouraged his unbelieving sons-in-laws to do the same. And it would have spared his wife from dying and his daughters from the incestuous affairs with Lot. Now, this sequence of events of sin, even if the sin is slow to do the will of God, they ought to frighten every one of us to be a believer who moves quickly in obedience. The angel's message was arise, arise. It's a word of action. Some believe that Lot may have been asleep. The angels are telling Lot to get up, to get moving. Here he's sleeping in a city that he knows is about to be wiped out. <clears throat> but again, worldliness has weakened his spiritual enthusiasm. And then there are those today whose worldliness in their lives has lessened their excitement about the Lord's return. And here we are in the midst of this event going on in Israel. And if, if we know prophecy and we know that Israel is a key factor, hey, man, it should wake us up, man. It should make us excited. Okay, Not that you know they're going through all this heartbreak over there, but it was foretold. It's a picture of God's word coming to pass. And if those people aren't excited, if people aren't excited about the Lord's return, they're sleeping, spiritually speaking. And we must wake up. Matthew said in chapter 24, verse 40 through 43, about his, his coming again. He says, then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. He said, watch therefore, because you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. Jesus said, but know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. We don't know when he's coming. Jesus said, nobody knows the day or the hour, but he says, there are signs. There are signs to look for that alert you to the fact 
He's coming. We see the signs. Lot had a responsibility in the orders that he was given by the angels. All right? He was to take them out. It says in verse 15, take your wife and your daughters who are here. Lot's orders were not hard to understand. Just like the orders he gave to his sons-in-laws the night before. That destruction was coming. Those orders were very clear. And he was told exactly what he, who he had to take out of Sodom. So Lot has no excuse for staying in this house or leaving his wife and daughters in the house. He can't complain that he didn't understand God's will. And you know, people who complain that they don't know what God wants them to do are usually not really that interested in doing what God wants them to do. It's the, it's the unsubmissive heart, not, not the lack of clarity of what God said that keep people from doing God's will. Notice here, that Lot is the one who was given the instructions. That is, he was responsible. He's the responsible, responsible for his wife and daughter's safety. Lot is to lead the family out of Sodom. To put it into to today's words, the man of the house is the one to lead the family to church. The man of the house is the one to be the leader in the family in spiritual matters. But, you know, I've noticed over the years a a really sad thing that the spiritual leader many times is the wife or the daughters that are leading the way in many families. And it's a real shame and a disgrace to every man who does not take the spiritual leadership in his home. Then the reason for getting them out of the city is given in verse 15. It says, lest you be consumed in the punishment of the city. You need to get your family out of this house so that you are not consumed by the punishment that's going to come upon the city. The danger for Lot and his family is very serious if he doesn't leave Sodom. He'll lose everything. It will all be destroyed. He was going to lose all that he had materially anyway. But at least he would have the most important things, his life and the life of his wife and daughters. And this is more than enough motivation to get Lot moving quickly as the angels ordered. But again, he delayed getting out of Sodom. Look at verse 16. And while he lingered, notice, and while Lot lingered, the men took hold of his hand, his wife's hand, and the hands of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful to him, and they brought him out and sent him outside the city. So looking looking at this through spiritual eyes, there was no justified reason for Lot lingering, for being reluctant to leave Sodom. Judgment is on the way. I mean, how could Lot dilly-dally in a place where he was oppressed by the filthy, filthy conduct of the wicked, dwelling among them, tormenting his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds? That's what Peter said in 2 Peter 2, 7 and 8. I mean, how could, he, how could he be reluctant? How could he be lingering? How could he be taking his time in a place where it says of him that he was oppressed by these filthy people? He was oppressed by their behavior that he, he, that he was dwelling with. These people tormented his righteous soul every day in, in seeing and hearing what they were doing. 
I mean, he was almost forced to sacrifice the honor of his daughters and stay in a place that was about to be destroyed. And when you look at his character, we see why he would linger and why he would not want to leave. He had relatives there. He had friends there. He had riches there. And there were others there that were like him. And, you know, the old saint, birds of a feather. They like, you know, they hang out. When Lot continued to linger in Sodom, verse 16 says this. Notice, the men took hold of his hand. They took hold of his wife's hand and the hands of his two daughters. The Lord being merciful to him. Notice that. It's a show of God's mercy. He was lingering. He was taking his time to leave. And what does God do? The angels take the hands of him, his wife, and his daughters, and they brought him out, it says, and set him outside the city. Because Lot continued to linger, the angels had to forcefully remove him from Sodom. You know, it's like God's words weren't enough to move him. God's word should be enough to move us, regardless of what he says. The angels must have thought, what's wrong with this guy? Isn't, aren't we getting through to him that this place is going to be judged? It's going to be destroyed, wiped out, buried under the Dead Sea, and he's just hanging out? Hanging around in a city that's about to become a pile of ashes? And after all that he'd seen and all that he'd heard? After the attack of the men of Sodom? at his house and the angels blinding the men of Sodom and the message that he got that that Sodom was going to be destroyed. What's wrong with this guy? And in spite of all of that he'd seen and all of that he had heard, he still lingered. So we can see why the angels had to forcefully remove him. It's a show of the grace of God. There, there are a lot of professing believers who have to be dealt with like Lot. They have to be dealt with forcefully. And sometimes not in a delightful, forceful way. They know the will of God, but they make excuses. Well, you know, I'm not really sure what God wants me to do. I really don't know where he wants me to go. So they don't do anything. Then God has to grab them take a hold of them, get their attention, maybe through an illness, through accidents, tragedies, a loss of a job, or or similar experiences, if the person is slow in doing God's will. Now, but this doesn't mean, on the other hand, that all these experiences that I just mentioned suggest that a person is not doing God's will or slow in doing God's will. Because the faithful believer often experiences these things too. We don't avoid all trials in life because we live faithfully. But faithful living certainly helps us to avoid a lot of them, a lot of difficult times. Lot, like I said, rescued, was rescued once already when Abraham uh, rescued him from Chedorlaomer. Now Lot has to be rescued again. And, you know, it, it's kind of a picture of, of people who need counseling repeatedly. They're the ones who are living worldly lives. Like Lot, they need to be rescued continually. And you see them, you know, every other week in the office for counseling. You know, and you share with them, you get them out of one mess, and it's not long before here they are again. 
But those in church who live godly lives seldom, if ever, show up needing counseling. And Pastor Chuck used to tell us, if you're reading the Word of God and you're praying, you know, the best counseling you can get is from the Word of God. He says, you're going to come to me, and, and he says, I'm going to tell you what the Word of God says. And he says, so people who are reading the Word of God and praying over whatever difficulty they're going through, they won't go in for counseling because they've gotten the counseling from the Word of God and the Spirit of God. But those who are living worldly lives, they'll be there all the time because they're not reading, they're not seeking the Lord. So like Lot, they they need to be rescued continually. That's because they stay away uh, again, uh, the ones that, that don't need that counseling, they stay away from the evil things of the world. So it pays off for them. The angel's response to Lot's lingering gives a beautiful picture of dedication in service, being dedicated in serving God. Now, there were four people in Lot's house that needed to be taken outside the city. Lot, his wife, and his two daughters. Now, in order to take all four people out of the house and out of Sodom, each angel had to use both of their hands. That was the only way the two angels could take hold of the four people in the house. Each angel using both hands. That's a picture of total dedication using all means that they had. Using every hand that they had to do the will of God. We're not often that sincere in serving the Lord. Using everything that we have. Everything that's available to us. And verse 16 says it, it describes, it's described as the Lord being merciful to him. The fact that Scripture specifically mentions mercy here gives extra emphasis to the Lord's mercy in Lot's, in Lot's rescue. It's a picture of the Lord's mercy in rescuing him from God's judgment. The Bible says God's not willing that any should perish. This means nobody can be saved apart from God's mercy. It's mercy that opens the door to every sinner, no matter how rebellious they are. And if some people are not saved, they can never blame God. Because salvation is totally an act of His grace. And wise men know that not only is salvation the result of mercy, but all of God's blessings... From God is a result of his mercy. So they never pray on the basis of their dedication or performance, but always pray on the basis of God's mercy. Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. So after the angels forcibly removed Lot, his wife and two daughters from Sodom, according to verse 16, it says the angels took them away from Sodom. Look at verse 17. So it came to pass... When they had brought them outside, that he said, Escape for your life. Do not look behind you, nor stay anywhere in the plain. Escape to the mountains, lest you be destroyed. So after being taken out of Sodom, the angels had to take Lot, his wife, and two daughters further away from Sodom. So the angels took them away from Sodom to the mountain that was some distance away in order to secure them and to make sure that they were safe. So the angels took Lot, his wife, and two daughters away from Sodom with this message in 17, escape for, uh, escape for your life. Escape for your life. And once again, the angels were trying to stir up Lot to take action. 
It's always hard to get worldly Christians stirred, about, stirred up about the things of God. Even if angels visited them, they still can't seem to get stirred up about doing the will of God. The angels had instructions for their departure. He said in verse 16, don't look behind you. He said, when you're leaving Sodom, don't look behind you. And again, important instructions. And the reason that they were not to look behind them is lest you be destroyed. Looking back while you're a runner or while you're running, you're liable to fall. You're liable to trip, lose your balance. It's going to slow you down. And for them to turn back and look while they're running away from Sodom, it would slow them down. And it would result in them being overtaken by the judgment that was coming on Sodom. You cannot run fast when you're looking behind. And I know in track, when they were runners, they would say, do not worry about that person behind you. A lot of times we want, they have the tendency to look back and see how close they are or how far away they are. You're to keep your eyes on the goal and to run with all of your heart. Because again, running away would slow them down and result in being overtaken by the judgment. In Lot and his family's case, it might cause them to go back to Sodom, looking back at the city, looking back at what they're leaving behind. So this command of the angels is for sure a serious warning about the danger of not controlling your eyes. And if we don't control where our eyes are looking, as it says in 1 John 6, 2.16 about the lust of the eyes, if we're not careful where we're looking, we'll corrupt our nature. There are a lot of things that we shouldn't look at if we're going to make <clears throat> progress and have success in our spiritual walk. Because looking at things, we shouldn't, uh, looking at things that we shouldn't be looking at, th that can create desires in our heart that, that will slow us down. It might even stop our spiritual growth and cause us to turn off from the right path and destroy our lives. Wherever we go, we have to constantly be on guard to keep our eyes from dwelling on what God has forbidden. We need to be separated from the things of the world. Notice he said in verse 17, Do not look behind you nor stay anywhere in the plain. And this command was to keep Lot and his family from being destroyed from the coming judgment. And this command helps us to see the importance of not looking back. They had a long way to go before they would be safe. Time was running out, so they didn't have time to waste. Even looking behind would, wouldn't, would, would be enough to keep them from reaching safety. So this command makes the point that there are places that we need to separate ourselves from if we're going to live successfully for God. And Christians who, you know, who, who like to see how close they can get to the world without being defiled will find out one day that they're still in the plain and their lives will be ruined. The angels not only told Lot and his family where they shouldn't go, they also told them where to go. He told them, escape to the mountains. The mountains here that... that, that is being talked about would be the mountains east of the Dead Sea, which later became part of the territory of the Moabites. Moab was one of the sons 
born of the incestuous relationship that Lot had with, with, with one of his daughters not long after Sodom's destruction. Enemies of God. The warning given in the message to leave Sodom was that failure to obey the angel's orders that would result in being consumed. This was the third time the lot had been clearly warned in the last 12 or so hours about Sodom's destruction. Lot was warned in verse 12 and 13, again in verse 15 and then in 17. And Lot's first response to the angel's warning, look at verse 18. After he's warned, this is what Lot says in verse 18. Then Lot said to them, please know my lords. Notice that. He receives an order from the angels of God, God's messengers. So it's the Lord speaking to them through the angels. And they tell him to escape to the mountains. And Lot says to them, oh, not so, my lord. Now you can use Lord and you can use no, but never in the same sentence. What a contradiction. Lot said to them, oh no, not so, my Lord. So this shows that he wasn't interested in doing what he was commanded. If Lot says, my Lord, in that sentence, he should not say, oh, not so. And if Lot says, oh, not so, he shouldn't say, my Lord. Because the title Lord means master. And if you call someone your master, you submit to his commands. You don't don't argue or protest the commands you're given. Lot was trying to call the heavenly messenger master and yet say no at the same time to what he was instructing Lot to do. Jesus says it very clearly in Luke 6, 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do the things which I say? It happens all the time. Worldly Christians live contradictory lives. They speak religiously, but they act worldly. You know, it's like, you know, at work, you have a boss. Your boss says, hey, would you go, you know, stack these books up over here? And they're kind of out of order. No, boss, I'm not going to do it. Really? Here's your boss, and you're the employee, and you're telling no. No boss. And here's the, our Lord and Master, and He's, he's, he's given us a, a, a directive, and we're saying, oh, I don't think so, Lord. Look at verse 19. Indeed, now your servant has found favor in your sight, and you have increased your mercy, which you have, sw- which you have shown me by saving my life. Notice, but I cannot escape to the mountains, lest some evil overtake me and I die. Disagreeing to the way and the will of God is expressed by Lot here in a strong, disrespectful way. And he, you know, he, he smoothly mixed his criticism with a compliment. Oh, Lord, you know, you've been kind to me, you've blessed me, and you've been wonderful, but I can't go. He rejected God's will with professed reverence and praises for God. Oh, God, you're wonderful, and you've done such great things for me, but you know what? I can't go. His phony devotion to the Lord was just a way to hide his wicked disobedience to the Lord. And this is the way evil gets his foot into the door. 
Though all his mushy compliment, through all of his mushy compliment, if that's what you want to call it, Lot then expresses his complaint in verse 19. Notice, I cannot escape to the mountains lest some evil overtake me and die. Oh Lord, I can't go there because something might happen to me. And this verse has often been misunderstood. So we need to understand this verse in the right way so that we can understand Lot's complaint. The misunderstanding has to do with what, with what uh, the evil was and where the evil was that Lot was worried might kill him. And the ex- explanation that's often but wrongly given is that Lot was afraid that some evil in the mountain might attack him. It's like saying, oh, Lord, I can't go there because, you know, some lion might be there in the mountain and attack me. Some bear might come and get me. The boogeyman might come and get me. You know, or some other dangerous thing would kill him. But that's not what's meant here by Lot. It's not speaking about the dangers that he might run into when he gets to the mountain, but the dangers of the judgment of Sodom. It's not speaking about Lot being killed in the mountain, but on the way to the mountain, between Sodom and the mountain. So the danger wasn't something on the mountain, it was the danger of the judgment on Sodom. So Lot was complaining that he would be killed by the same destruction that was going to destroy Sodom, not being killed by some danger that was found that he'd run into in the mountain. He says here, there's no way that I'm going to escape between Sodom and the mountain before being killed. Verse 18 again, he says, I cannot escape to the mountain lest evil overtake me and I die. What he's saying is, what the angels are asking him to do is impossible. He said, Lord, you're asking me to do something impossible. I can't do it. Lord, you need to change the plan. A lot of people say, I can't when asked to do God's will. And it's not that they can't, but it's defiance. It's really, I won't. And there's a big difference between I can't and I won't. Lot's complaint dishonors God. And it dishonors his integrity. Because you see, Lot's basically saying, Lord, I can't trust you. Lot's literally saying, Lord, I don't believe it. I, I, I can't believe it. I can't believe that before I get there, he says, before I get there, God's going to kill me. And this excuse, this is an excuse that he's made up. It would be possible, okay, it would be possible that he wouldn't make it safely to the mountain, but that's only, it says, if he looked back. It would be possible he didn't make it to the mountain safely if he looked back. He was given instructions not to look back and he would be okay. Because what he's saying here. God is not worthy to protect him. And many times we're so quick to criticize God's will. And neither Lot's life nor his, his word honored God. Life's Lot and his words did not honor God. It's his own messed up thinking or his backslidden heart. And we will blame God when things go wrong and we will discredit God's wisdom when God asks us to do things that we don't like. He'll complain that God's demands are impractical, impossible, and dangerous. Lot here was basic, basically compromising. 
He didn't want to go where the angels instructed him to go. Lot wanted to go to Zoar. And if we're honest with ourselves, we'll quickly admit that we've prayed, not your will be done, Lord, but mine. Rather than not my will be done, but yours. Look at verse 20. In verse 20, he says, See now, this city is near enough to flee to, and it is a little one. Please let me escape there is not a little one, and my soul shall live. So Lot here in verse 20 gives two reasons why he wanted to go to Zoar and not the mountain. First, he says, it was near, it was close by, and it was a little city. So it wasn't really the danger of being overtaken by the judgment on Sodom. He wanted to go to Zoar because it would take a lot less effort to get there. It would be easier to go there. He didn't want to be put out. He didn't want to to, to have to put out the effort to go to the mountain. So we see here that it wasn't fear of going to the mountain. He wasn't the danger that he was talking about at the mountain. Because he'd be closer to Sodom if he stopped in Zoar. And we'll also see he wanted to live in a city, not in the wilderness. So Lot's compromise is nothing more than not wanting to put out the effort or the sacrifice for God. Our excuses and our arguments against doing God's will, they seem clever. They seem right on. At least we think they are. But we can, we can never go too far or do too much when it comes to doing the will of God. We can never be too obedient. We can never be too faithful or too zealous. But Lot's compromise to be near represents the ungodly thinking that we can go too far in obeying God. And people will tell you, oh man, you've gone too far in this Christianity. Oh, you know, I can't believe God would ask you to to do that or go way over there or, or, or that's way too much. And we believe it. Wanting to go to the little city of Zoar said Lot would commit little sins. He wanted to go to a little city and wanting to go to the little city says Lot would commit little sins. You see, we often think little sins won't hurt us. That they won't hurt much because they look so harmless and they're really no big deal. But all it takes is a little sin to open the door to the bigger sin. Hey, Paul said a little leaven leavens the whole lump. And in Lot's case, it resulted in his wife's death and committing incest with his daughters. Just because he wouldn't follow the instructions the angels gave him to go to the mountain. He had his own ideas about where he wanted to go and what he wanted to do. And it cost him his wife and an incestuous relationship with his daughters. As a result, Moab was born and then the Moabites grew and the Moabites were forever the enemies of Israel. Just a little sin can create such huge problems. We must never tolerate any sin because it looks little or seems harmless. Little sins lead to big sins and big problems. And little sins are the most dangerous of sins because we don't pay much attention to them. We don't take them that serious. It's no big deal, we say. 
But Lot's sinful and compromising prayer was answered as requested. Notice in verse 21. And he said to him, See, I have favored you concerning this thing also, in that I will not overthrow this city for which you have spoken. Because Lot's prayer was answered here, it makes it look like his prayer was honorable. Hey, it wasn't. We need to realize that just because God allows us to do something doesn't mean that he approves of it. It's like he said, you know what? You keep asking for it, I'm going to let you have it. Which is the worst thing that God could do for you. And we need to really realize that. The answer to Lot's prayer belongs in the category of Psalm 106.15, where the psalmist said, And he gave them their request, but he sent leanness into their soul. Psalm 81.12 says, So I gave them over to their own stubborn heart to walk in their own counsels. To do what they thought was right. One of the worst punishments God can give you and me is allowing us to have our own stubborn self-will. But here's the thing. If you persist long enough and earnestly enough in your will, instead of wanting God's will, you'll get your will. And you will get all of the problems and all the unhappiness that comes with it. It's a wonderful blessing to have some prayers denied. And I look back on some of the things that I prayed for and I said, God, thank you for not honoring them. I didn't at the time, but I look back and now I say, hey, I'm glad, God, you didn't honor that prayer. I'm glad you didn't answer that prayer. And we're going to see later on that Zoar wasn't such a wonderful place after all. And that not long after Lot got there, he moved out because he was afraid to live there. And then he goes to the mountain. But then it's too late. Going to the mountain was too late for him to receive the full reward for his obedience. And look, partial obedience isn't, isn't part. It's total obedience, disobedience. It's like a half lie. It's a whole lie. Going to the mountain after he said, no, I can't go there because something might kill me when I get there. It was too late for him to receive the full reward for being obedient if he would have gone when he was instructed. Because Lot's little detour to Zoar, it cost him his wife, which resulted in causing the situation for the incestuous incident with his daughters. Delaying disobedience is costly. It not only delays our blessings, it also diminishes our blessings. How many times in, our, in their own stubborn will, people insist on compromising? And you know what happens? It results in making a mess of their lives. Then they want to do God's will. But then it's too late, again, to receive all the blessings that God originally intended for them. And Lot's experience and his example shows us that compromising God's will, it's a no-win experience. Verse 22. Hurry, escape there, for I cannot do anything until you arrive. Therefore, the name of the city was called Zoar. This is the angel's departing message to Lot. 
And it was a scolding. Come on, Lot, get out. I can't do anything until you get out of here. Or until you arrive there in Zoar. This is the last time that, that Lot is recorded having any communication with God or from God. And once again, Lot was urged to hurry and to leave the area. Lot's spiritual laziness proves that he was hindering the work of God. The angel said, I cannot do anything until you arrive there. Can you think about that. That we can hinder and we do hinder the work of God. The area where Lot was, was hindering God's work was God's judgment on sin. And we need to, need to see that the promise to Lot about the judgment not coming until he was in Zoar, it didn't cancel out the promise that he or his wife or daughters, if they looked back, they would be destroyed. The promise about holding off judgment until Zoar was reached was a conditional promise. It depended on man's behavior. Lot's delaying was hindering the work of God. But he wouldn't be allowed to hinder God's work indefinitely. God's going to get the work done. If Lot delays more by looking back, then his promise of protection would be null and void for him. Just as it was for his wife when she looked back. So in closing, this is a strong reminder to us that in, claim, that in claiming promises in the Scripture, we need to be careful that we don't ignore our responsibilities regarding the promise. But many times people do. They often read only part, the part that they like. And they ignore any responsibility that God may have given them regarding the promise and the fulfillment of the promise. Do this, this, and this, and you will receive protection. Walk with me. Have a relationship with me. And I'll be your refuge. I'll be your fortress. I'll be your place of security. But then we don't walk with God. We don't have a relationship with Him and things go awry. And guess what? God, where are you? Well, you know, you, you didn't fulfill your part of me completing my promise to you. Conditional. But then when the promises aren't fulfilled, like I said, they question the scriptures. They promise God's faithfulness. Lord, I can't trust you. Your word isn't true. It's not the scripture or God's faithfulness that's the problem. God's judgment did not wait for, a wife, for Lot's wife to get in Zoar. The promise still stood. She ignored her responsibility of not looking back, and as a result, she lost her privilege. And there are a lot of other promises regarding the believer's protection from affliction or trials or other evils that are not unconditional. So you'll never escape all the other judgments that come upon people for evil living. You know, God promises us so much, but in those promises, we are given responsibilities. God is faithful we are not. And that's where the problem lies. Father, once again, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you for teaching us these, these wonderful truths, God. You show us the good things as well as the bad things, God. And we need to know both. And Father, help us to be men and women, Lord, of character. 
those who have a relationship with you, Lord, who walk with you. Father, those who, as Paul was te- is teaching us in Ephesians, God, walk worthy of the calling for which we are called, God. Lord, bless my brother, brothers and sisters, Lord. Protect them, watch over them as they walk according to your ways, Lord. We thank you, Father, that you do love us and that you do take care of us, Lord. The Father, your word, you, you're, you're compared to a mother hen who gathers her chicks under her wings and protects them as long as they desire to stay there, Lord. So, Father, we thank you so much. Be with us through the week, Lord, and uh, Father, as, as we uh, gather together Wednesday, Lord, we look forward to that time. And Lord, we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, uh, Lord willing, we'll meet again uh, again Wednesday and uh, Ezekiel chapter 14, and we're going to see where the idolaters are condemned by God. God bless you guys. Have a blessed week.